Good morning. Where are they? Where are they? Oh, there they are. <laughs> hey, uh, no one has yet said that they want to get baptized today, but if someone wants to get baptized, I'll gladly get in that warm river with you and baptize you today. So um, next week is our annual financial Sunday. Um, for some of you, it's boring. If you, if you like spreadsheets and stuff, you're probably going to be real happy that day, but also you're a nerd. Um, and then, uh, but we, we talk about our finances for the past year, like how we spent the money for the past year, because we want to make it really clear. One, ain't nobody getting rich here. That's very important that you understand that. And two, um, your investment in Life Church and, and what you've given, uh, we want you to know what that goes to support and where that money is going. So uh, it's not, we're not shady in any way. We want it, it's all open for you to know. Uh, there, you may have been at a place where it was shady. You may have been at churches where they, it's hidden, but just here, we don't do that. So are you all with me? Yep. So, all right, cool. So um, last week, speaking of finances, last week I preached a sermon about tithing. Now, I don't often preach about tithing, um, and I have that's always the day you invite the person that you're like, that they're like, hey, we, I, I know that churches are all about money. And, and then you're like, no, not our church. And then you bring someone and then like, that's the week they're like, I knew they were trying to get your money. Like, look, we're not like, I, if you give or you don't give, I'm the pastor here. I don't care. Like, I care for your sake, but I don't care for my sake. Like, that's between you and God. Okay. The tithe is between you and God. So that's none of my business. I, I am, however, going to show you what the Bible says, and that's just all we do is we talk about what the Bible says. So um, this past week, more people have said something to me about that sermon than ever of any other sermon that I've preached at Life Church, New Braunfels. So, um, and this is the way that you can know that it wasn't my idea, because if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard multiple sermons on giving and on tithing and, and money and all that. And there is no, I will very clearly tell you, I am not better than those other preachers. I am worse than those other preachers. That is how you can know it was God, because it was good. Okay? So, um, and, and I'm just telling you, it's like, it's not me. So it was, it was good. Um, one of the things that, uh, that was very surprising to me is I kind of, to introduce the, the issue of tithing, I talked about what the difference is in being a Christian and being a disciple, like the difference in believing and actually having faith and doing and trusting. So um, I'm going to talk about that again this week uh, because really that, that needs to be what, what we talk about. Um, so if you're a Christian and you've been a Christian for a while, but you don't consider yourself a disciple, I want to challenge you today um, to get in the boat, get on board, get in the wheelbarrow. Um, if, you, if you have social media, look me up. It's interesting. So um, I just need followers, guys. I want to be an influencer so bad. <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. So we're going to talk about the story where Jesus is recruiting uh, Simon, the, the artist formerly known as Simon, his name is Peter, uh, but Jesus changes his name. And so it happens in a boat, but I want you to make this story very personal. And so we're going to get in the boat. I have chairs. All right, so... Um, we are going to go to the ancient Near East. 
you are going to travel to the ancient Near East, and you are going to sit in a boat with Jesus today, okay? This is what the boat that Peter had, it was about 2,000, this boat, this, this very lumber, wood, was found at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. It's a 2,000-year-old boat, and um, they, had, they made a model of what that, what that boat that this story comes from. It's, we're going to be in Luke 5 today. They made a, um, a, 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 a re, what do you call it, a model of what that boat would actually look like. So a remodel, I don't know what that means. Um, just side note, so y'all can get in my brain a little bit. Every time I see something like this, that, I take that as a challenge. It's like that rope is not going to stop me. Like, I will get over that security system. Like, I know how to break through that. Anyway, uh, I'm the guy that gets kicked out of everywhere. Uh, if you've ever been in public with me, you know this, this is true. So um, the, the distance, it's between 24 and 27 feet from bow to stern, um, front to back. Y'all know about boats, right? And then uh, it's about eight feet wide from port to... To starboard, good, good. You got some sailors in here. That's great. And and so, um, but the inside of this boat where you could actually sit from here to here, it's about this far. It's about ten feet. I love these stories where, um, where they're like, and Jesus was sleeping in the boat. It's like he was right there, bro. Like it's not like he was hiding. He was like he's right there sleeping. And you're like, oh, let's go get him. <laughs> we got him. Like he's right there. So um, the the this story it. This changed the trajectory of Simon's life, and it also changed the trajectory of our life, the, the, the way that Simon um, responded to Jesus. And, that, and I think if you pay attention and you're, and you're looking for what God's saying to you today, you're going to see how the same call that, that Simon had is the same call that you have. And uh, trust me, this is going to be good. So Luke chapter 5, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God... Who are they pressing in on? Jesus. I, look, whenever I read the Bible, I go there. And I, I, I put myself in the situation because I, I want to feel what they were feeling. I want to know exactly what it is they're saying. So pay attention when you see he's and they's. And who is he? Where are they? They're, they're at the Sea of Galilee right now. And they're, and they're right at the edge of the sea. And, uh, and they're pressing in on him as he's preaching to hear the word of God. And he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he, w- and he saw two boats by the lake. So he saw two boats by the lake. Two boats. Is that, like, is it, why does it say that? For me, I want to do the research. I'm like, why, why two boats? Why write that in there? Why did Luke decide to put that in there? There's nothing wasted. It's, it all means something, okay? So um, you may ask, is this significant? And I will respond to you. I'm so glad you asked that because it is significant. Peter grew up in Galilee. Peter grew up as a fisherman. He had been working these shores with his family his entire life, and he's grown up as a businessman, and he has scaled his business. Most people could only afford one boat, and they would, they would get the, the nets, their cast net, they would throw it in, and it had weights at the end, spread the net out, the net falls down, and then they pull the net up, it closes as they pull it up, and they get one or two fish. However, two boats is a completely different fishing game. Two boats has a net that you pull between two. Side note, don't ever invite me to go fishing with you. I absolutely hate fishing. I like catching fish. Like, that's fun. If you've ever caught a fish, you know that's fun. However, it's all that other time where you're not catching a fish. That I'm, 
when I get bored, we all get entertained. Okay? And the fish, fish don't like me. They run from me. So if you take me fishing with you, none of us are going to catch anything. But we're going to have fun. I promise. We're going to have fun. But so just don't. Just don't even invite me. It's fine. I do, however, like going spear fishing. We do that over here under the bridge, and it's that super fun because you get to stab things. So anyway, <laughs> the, the dragnet between two of these fishing boats would be between 14 and 20 feet tall and sometimes 150 feet wide. That's a huge net. So they would put it between boat to boat, and then they would go, and all the fish are getting caught in there. This is like, this is, this is a like hyper like way better than just having one boat, having two boats. It's more than twice as much in cost, but it's way more than twice as much in profit. And so he had this, like the, the two boats is better than one. So uh, on one occasion while the crowd was pressing in on him, he heard the word, he was standing on the lake of Gennesaret and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Now, washing their nets was no small task. I just told you the, the net was between 14 and 20 feet tall and b- almost 150 feet w- wide. That's a big deal. It's a big deal. That they couldn't leave the nets in the water because they would deteriorate. These nets had been passed down from generation to generation. For, forever they had had these nets. And so they have to t- you have to take really good care of them. And uh, especially if you have two boats. Like Peter had at least two boats. And th- these nets were huge, and you've got to make sure you're handling your business right. And so these guys, they were out all night. They're done fishing. They're washing. They're, they're cleaning their boats. They're, they're repairing the nets because it would get caught in twigs and stuff, and they would have to fix the holes in the nets. And so um, these nets were very, very valuable, and they're, they're on the side. They're, as they're over there cleaning the nets and cleaning the boats, they see this giant crowd on the side of the, the shore. And they're like kind of watching this as they're, they're working. And they're like, what is happening over here? And so it, it says, getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, Jesus asked him to put out a little further from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Peter, you are in the boat. And Jesus gets into the boat. And he's sitting this far away from you. Guys, listen, Jesus, 10 feet away from you. And he's like, hey, let's pull out a little further so that, so that I can... I can teach from here and more people can see me. So let's pull out a little further so I can teach. Are you with me? Jesus is saying, hey, can you do this thing? And so it says, and when he, when he had finished speaking, he preached. He stood in the boat and he preached for a little bit. And it says, when he's, when he's finished speaking, he said to Simon, now put out into the deep and let your nets for a catch. Let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, master, chill, bro. We worked all night and we didn't catch anything. If you are a fisherman and you work all night and you don't catch anything, what kind of mood are you in? You're not in a good mood, just so you know. You're not in a good mood. Okay, you worked all night and you didn't get anything. So it was basically wasted time. You caught nothing. You're tired. You're probably hangry. Um, you're, you're frustrated. You're not in the mood for shenanigans. And, and, and Jesus is here and he's like, like just imagine he had you know that one person can't can't drive two boats at the same time so he had at least one other employee like probably multiple other employees and so they're probably mad they're sailors so they're probably cussing like there's two there's two types of people that can invent cuss words on the spot it's golfers and fishermen okay those two types of people don't spend a lot of time with them when they're doing their thing because they're gonna be cussing so they, they, 
they have all their nets out. They're finally done. They've cleaned it all. They've packed it up. And, and now all they want to do is go home and go to sleep. And Jesus says, Simon, let's go deeper. J- Jesus would say that to you. Hey, you, fill in the net blank with your name. Let's go deeper. Jesus sitting in the boat looking straight at you. Hey, let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. So I'm going to make this personal for you, and it might get a little uncomfortable. Is that okay? I don't care what you say here. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're going to, it's going to be, this is personal to you. So when Jesus says to you, hey, hey, let's go deeper. You, you, you know who I am. Let's go deeper. Simon had already met Jesus. He knew who Jesus was. In chapter 4 of Luke, it says that, that Andrew, Simon's brother, had, had introduced Jesus to him. And then Jesus actually heals Simon, who's the oldest of the disciples, because he's married. You can't have a mother-in-law. He heals his mother-in-law. You can't have a mother-in-law if you're not married. Why would you? So, <laughs> some mother-in-laws in the room. Okay, it's okay. Uh, so Simon wasn't, he wasn't a disciple yet, though. Simon knew Jesus, but he didn't, he, he wasn't a follower of Jesus. And so you could say, like we used before, he's a Christian. He, he believed that Jesus was. Obviously, he had seen Jesus heal his mother-in-law. He knew that Jesus was who he says he was, and, but he wasn't a disciple yet. He wasn't following Jesus yet. The difference between a disciple and a Christian is everything. Like the, the word Christian, I told you this last week, but the word Christian is in the Bible three, in the New Testament three times. The word disciple is in the, the New Testament 273 times. And yet we go around calling ourselves Christians and not disciples. I wonder why. I know why. It's because if you say I'm a disciple of Jesus, that carries way more weight than saying I'm a Christian. Everybody's a Christian. Like everybody in America. If you're American, you're a Christian. We know that that is not true. You may know who Jesus is. You cannot define your Christianity your relationship with God by something that you believe. Because the Bible says that demons believe in Jesus and they shudder. So if, if it's just about what you believe and it's nothing more, then you and, you're a demon, basically. Like I, don't, I, mean, I mean that in the nicest pastoral way I can mean it. You're a little demon, demonic, okay? So, um, so this disciple has a lot more weight. Being a Christian is not a bad thing. It's the way that people outside of Christianity describe people that are inside of Christianity. Someone that doesn't really know a lot about Christianity doesn't really know the difference in someone who believes and someone who's a disciple. They don't necessarily know the difference. People that are inside of Christianity, you, you should know the difference in someone who believes and someone who actually has faith and trust and actually does. So it, it's a, a term in the New Testament that was mostly used by outsiders. Jesus never said the word Christian. Paul didn't call followers Christians. He called them, they, they both called them the disciples. And the, the simplest way I can use to define this is a Christian is a believer in Jesus and a disciple is a follower of Jesus. Huge difference, right? And it's just, it's just a couple of words, but it's a huge difference. Disciples turn the world upside down. Christians are, eh. I mean, how many Christians do you, how many Christians do you know? Like, you know people that say they're Christians, and then they're like, punks. And you're like, I don't, please, please stop telling people that you're a Christian. You are making the ones that really do want to live for Jesus look bad. You know how many times I tell people, hey, 
can you stop telling people you go to our church? Like, keep coming for sure, because you obviously need the training. But stop telling people that you belong to Life Church because you are a terrible Christian. You're a Karen, a Christian Karen. Like, you just in name only, like C I N O, Christian in name only. Like, like a, what do they call those? No. I'm not going to talk about politics. Y'all already went there in your minds. So he goes on, he says, and when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let your nets down for a catch. We're going to get back in the boat. Let's get back in the boat. So um, put down your net. And then Simon looks at Jesus and he's like, bro, there ain't no fish in the water today. They're all gone. Like Randy came and they're all gone. (laughs) There are no fish in the water. And, And so like we've already... Like we've already packed up. Can you imagine they were there all night and they're, they're folding their nets up and they're angry, so they're like angry folding? Have y'all seen angry folding? <laughs> Jessica's an angry folding like queen because I make her mad and then she's still going to fold the towels. And so, <laughs> so they're probably angry folding their nets and they're like they worked hard all night. And they, he's like, we ha- we've worked hard all night and we haven't caught anything. But he doesn't say no immediately. He doesn't say yes immediately. He doesn't say no immediately either. And that's, that's really important. He's just like, well, let me think about it. Like, we've been working hard all night. Jesus tells him to do something. It's like, well, we've been working hard all night. Can you relate to that at all? Like, not the no, not the yes, but not the no either. It's just you, delayed obedience is disobedience. You're supposed to say disobedience there. Delayed obedience is disobedience. How many times has Jesus told you to do something and you're like, I will, but, but let me go take care of this stuff first and then I will. Number one point, the name of this sermon is say yes. The number one point is Jesus is looking for a yes from you. Jesus is looking for a yes. Yes is the indicator that you're going to do what he says. Not, hang on, let me think about it. What are you telling me to do? What's it going to cost? How am I going to get there? What, are you gonna, what am I going to do when I get there? Like some of y'all are planners, not me, but some of y'all are planners, and you want to know all the details. That's not a bad thing at all. But when Jesus asks the question, says, hey, will you do this? He wants a yes. So what he wants from you is a yes. A disciple is someone who says yes to Jesus. If Simon hadn't said yes, then we may be telling the story of Francisco, the disciple today. Because someone was going to, Jesus is going to get accomplished his goals. He wants to use you. He has called you and he wants to use you for that thing. And like when, when Jesus is going into the, to the, to Jerusalem and they're like, he says, look, if these people, he's like, stop these people from, from praising you. And he's like, if these people don't cry out, the rocks, the very rocks will cry out. Ain't no rock going to cry out for me. Like I'm going to, I'm going to praise him. I'm, no rocks are going to take my spot. Like no donkeys are going to take my spot. None of y'all are going to take my spot. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. And nobody's getting that blessing but me. Got it? So don't even try. <laughs> like, I want to be the pastor. Nobody wants to trust me. Anytime a young person comes to me and they're like, you know, I really feel like God has called me into full-time ministry. I'm like, no. <laughs> Your life is going to be so hard. Like, it's going to be bad. Can I? And I, look, I'm telling you, I will try to talk them out of it. I'm not joking. I will try to talk them out. If I can convince them in that moment to get out of ministry, they were not going to make it. 
Ah, that should hurt. Hurts a little. So one of the things I really love about our church is there are a lot of people saying yes to Jesus. There's a lot of really cool things going on. A lot of people have said, yes, I will serve. Yes, I will give. Yes, I will do the next thing. I will take the next step. No matter what it is, yes, I'm going to do it. And so uh, G, um, Paul, uh, Peter is like, uh, yes, master, we worked hard all night. You know we didn't catch anything. And with all due respect, you teach the Bible and I'll do the fishing. How about that? I mean, you would never do that. but So he's like, look. I'm obviously Jesus, like Jesus, Jesus. I'm obviously a successful fisherman. I know what I'm doing here, okay? And you've been, like, you're not really a fisherman, okay? So you just kind of, like, you just do the Bible thing, and I'll do the, I'll do the fishing thing, okay? Just trust me. Trust me, I know what I'm doing here, okay? So, I mean, let's just go back, and you can go teach some more. Have you ever known better than Jesus for you? No, not, I mean, like, sorry, I should probably re-ask that a different way. Have you ever known someone else (laughs) that knows better than Jesus? No, you actually haven't, but you've probably met and been. You are, maybe currently, as we sit here now, you know better for you than what Jesus knows for you, right? No, like, if I were to sit down with you, we're having coffee, and I'm like, hey, do you know better for you? Like, do you know what's better for you than Jesus does? And you'd be like, no, I don't know that. But tell me about how you live. <laughs> like, Jesus has called you to something. You're like, well, I can't do that. I'm like, that's crazy. Like, there's no way. And so it, he says, Master, we toiled all night, and we, we caught nothing. But at your word, yes, I will, I will put down my nets. Most of the time, it won't make sense. Most of the time. Not sometimes, not rarely, but most of the time, the thing that God tells you to do is not going to make any sense. And look back on your life, and I bet you didn't think you would be where you are now. Look back 10, 15 years ago. I bet you didn't think that you'd be where you are now. I bet you thought you would, you would be dead. I never thought, the whole time I was growing up, I never thought there was any way I was going to live to be 21 years old. I thought, if I can live to be 21, I'm 22 now. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm way older than 20. So I, I always thought, if I can live to be 21, I made it. Like, I made it. And somehow, God has me here. This doesn't make sense. If he had showed, when I, when I asked Jesus to lead me for the rest of my life, I, if he had shown me this, I would have been just like, oh no, oh no, I'm not doing that. I can't stand in front of people and talk. I would like get super nervous. And so the world will tell you, there's no way, you can't do that. Your family will tell you over and over, you can't do that. Like, why would you give up all the things? Like, God is blessing you. They make it holy. Like, God is blessing you. Your family members who aren't even believers are like, can't you see how God is blessing you? Don't do that. That's stupid. Don't do that. When God says to do something this way, just do it that way. Seek first the ki- His kingdom and His righteousness, and then all the other stuff is like, that'll take care of itself. You seek Him first. And so you keep going through the pros and cons list of these imaginary results of what your obedience is going to cost. And it's not even real. You just, you, you made up some kind of consequences. 
And so I'm just telling you, if you're in here, if you're listening to the podcast, if you're, or you're watching the live stream, like God is calling you to take that back. If you're a Christian and, and you're just living off of what you believe and there's no action going with it, maybe you don't understand that there's something more. If you're a disciple, which I truly honestly believe is most of you, if you're a disciple, God's calling you to, to the next thing. Some of you immediately, like, as soon as I started talking about it, you're like, Ugh. I don't like that thing. That's scary. Like, you know what it is. Some of you are like, I have no idea what it is. I have no idea. Or you were told a long time ago, and you thought, well, someone else probably doing that thing by now. Look, if it's still in your heart to do, do the thing. He is calling you to the thing. And, and you may already know what it is, but you have some kind of fear, or you some, have some kind of doubt, or you think that it's illogical, or you think it's inconvenient, or do you think that it's, it's impossible? Look, Peter had to decide, am I going to go deeper with Jesus? Am I going to actually go out there? Am I going to follow what I know? Or am I going to follow who I, or am I going to do the thing of the one that has called me? Am I, am I going to live off of what I know in my brain? Or am I going to live off of who I follow? That's like, that's your next tweet, okay? That's, that is the thing the, the all of it is encompassed in this. Are you going to live off of what you know for your life? Because you know better than Jesus. Or are you going to just do what he says? You, you got to make a choice. Like what am I going to live off of what I believe or am I going to live off of who I believe? Is it going to be my way or is, am I going to listen to the one who's in the boat with me, who is leading me, who is inviting me into more? And so... I hope that you will say, since you say to do it, I will do it. Last week, uh, many of you came to me and said, hey, I made a commitment. I made a commitment. I'm going to do this thing. Um, and again, I want to challenge you. If, you. if you don't know what I'm talking about, you haven't listened, go to our podcast and listen to it. I'm not telling you because I think I'm a good preacher and I'm just the, the best ever. But if it touched so many people, then maybe it'll touch you and maybe it'll challenge you and maybe you'll get something from it. So... Um, most of you in here want to be close to Jesus. This is, again, this, this nearness thing of Jesus is way over there. And so, like, you think that, uh, that, that once you get close to him, then you'll trust him. I got to get close to Jesus, and then I'll trust him. And truly, truly, it's like saying, you know, once I get my life, once I get my life right, then I'll go to church. You know, once I get, like, once I get healthy, then I'll go to the doctor. Once I, like, I got let me clean off, and then I'll go take a shower. It doesn't make any sense. You, you're not going to be close to him and then trust him. Because the way to get close to him is to trust him. You trust him first. It's after obedience. It's after doing the hard thing. It's after serving. It's after you, you sign away your rights to your own life. And that's when you'll be close to him. Peter doesn't. Feel close to Jesus. Peter is probably in a bad mood. He's probably thinking that Jesus sitting there across the boat, he's like, he, he probably felt disrespected because like, I know fishing and you can tell me to go fish a different way. Like, I know what I'm doing. So he doesn't feel like obeying. Whenever you don't feel like obeying, that's also known as the most important time for you to obey. Whenever you don't feel like it. 
That's the most important time because then you gain all kinds of different things in your life. You gain discipline. You gain this, this new level of, hey, I can do it even when I don't feel like it. How long are you going to live off of how you feel? How long are you going to let how you feel make your decisions for you? Because I can tell you, like, are you proud of yourself up to now? <laughs> like, are you, are, you, are you proud of how you, whenever you do it your way, the results you get? I, I think that every one of us would be like, look, I can see very clearly what happens whenever I do it my way and whenever I do it God's way. It just seems like that would, that would have some kind of bearing on the way that you make decisions in the future. And yet still, you're going to go back to the feelings. Whenever you don't feel like obeying, it's the most important time for you to just obey. It goes on. And when they had done this, when they finally did what Jesus said, they caught a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. Imagine, now let's go back, let's get back in the boat. We're in the boat. Y'all saw the boat. It's about eight feet wide. They're pile, Peter's like piling up the fish. Piling. The boat starts to sink. Y'all saw the boat. So it's probably like, and Jesus is like, it's like raising up. And it's like, uh, it's like, whoa, there's too many fish in the boat. Like that's, whenever I get, like I've gone through, I've been in this situation with Jesus many times in, in my like time of meditation or reading the story. And like sometimes we're like joking with each other. Like I've convinced myself that Jesus was almost as funny as me. I'm just, I'm just kidding. He was definitely funnier. So, so the boat, look here, here this, is, this is beautiful. This is beautiful. So, so Peter's in there and he's pulling the, the fish in. He's pulling the flop, fish flopping everywhere. It's probably like a hullabaloo. It's probably like this crazy like mayhem going on. There's fish flopping everywhere. It's like all this stuff's going on. And so, and so it says that whenever Peter realized what was going on, Whenever Peter says, oh, wait a minute. God, I get emotional every time I get to this part. Wait a minute. Jesus did this for me. Like Jesus is doing it. And so he, go and he, he goes across and he falls. At Jesus. It says he fell at his knees. And he's saying, depart from me because I'm a sinful man. He realized who Jesus was. From that moment, that very second on, for the rest of Peter's life, he followed Jesus. He was a disciple. That's the moment he became a disciple. Whenever he realized who Jesus really was. Think about your life now. Think about what Jesus has done for you. Whenever you're close to Jesus, that's what it looks like. Whenever you're close to his glory, it starts to hurt your flesh. And it starts to hurt your flesh because you start to realize the lengths that he's gone to to be with you. And that's a high price. See, Peter didn't get close to Jesus and then obey. He obeyed and then he got close to Jesus. Did you come to church because you want to grow or because you want to stay the same? I hope that you came in today thinking, I, I, I just want to draw close to Jesus. That's what I want more than anything. I want, I want to do the thing that God is calling me to do. I don't care how uncomfortable. I don't care how inconvenient. I don't care how much of a hassle. I don't care that it's going to take time. I don't care that it's going to take money. I don't care. 
Because I know that on the other side, there's this, this intimacy in my relationship with Jesus. To say yes, you have to listen to the right thing. You have to choose to tune your ear. There are messages going, coming at you from every direction, especially in our, in our culture. In every direction, there's advertising, there's, there's uh, conflicting messages. If you, if you take a stand on anything where, that is in the Bible... Either side, you can go online and you will find groups of people that will support that. And it doesn't matter how ridiculous the thing that you come up with, you will find other people that believe that exact same thing and you can make a group. So how do we know what is true and what is not true? The Holy Spirit, that's how you know. The Holy Spirit. Let's finish uh, Luke 5 and then I'm gonna go to the next chapter. But it says, for, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. That's the call. And, he's, and, and when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Again, remember, Peter was a very successful businessman who had these nets passed down from generation to generation. He had multiple boats. He had a lot on the line and he left it all to go follow Jesus. Every bit of it. He was not holding on to the thing that he built. He wanted to follow Jesus. So I would ask you, who's the primary voice in your life? Is it what you want or what he wants? It's up to you to decide which one you're going to follow. In, in Luke chapter 6, the very next chapter, Jesus says it like this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I tell you? Jesus was a savage. Like he went hard all the time. Why is it that you say that I am your Lord, but then you don't do what I'm telling you to do? Like, why do you do that? And, and then he goes on. He's like, let me show you the difference in believing and doing. Let me show you the difference in a Christian versus a disciple. Someone who believes that I am who I say I am, like the demons, or someone who follows me. He says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose or a storm comes, the stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it or a storm comes, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. Listen, you, I'm not going to look at anyone. I look down sometimes because I don't want you to feel like I'm talking about you, but I'm talking about you. So, you have been living your Christian life from storm to storm because every time a storm comes, it just wipes you out and your faith is gone because you have built on what you believe. You haven't built on the solid rock. You haven't built, and, and I know that you haven't because you're not doing anything. You're just calling yourself a Christian and you're not really doing anything and you're barely making it through a storm and then you rebuild again when that storm's over and then you're just sitting there waiting for the next storm. Belief and faith 
And trust and action is the bedrock of building so that you can survive a storm. When the storm comes and everybody around you is like, I don't know if I can make it through that. I don't know. You're like, I can because I have a foundation that is Jesus. I can make it through because I know who I am standing on. I am following him because doing what he says is so important, not just believing, believing and doing. Are y'all with me? So have you invited Jesus into your boat, out into the deep water, and then, and then you still aren't going to do what he says? Imagine, imagine you, you rode out there, you and Jesus just chit-chatting as you're rowing out into the deep water, and then you get out to the deep water, and then Jesus is like, all right, let your net down. You're like, mm, I don't know, not sure. Like it's all folded already. <laughs> you know how long it took me to fold that net? Why have you come this far? Why have you made it all the way to 2023? And you're still not going to do what he says? Why go this far and then still not do what he says? And maybe you're sitting there saying, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You know how often as a pastor I get that question? Like I sit down with people and they say, you know, I just, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. Like, can you help me? I've had multiple people come to me and say, and this is cool, like I I could easily just say the answer that people expect me to say, but I don't. People have come to me and say, hey, I have this large amount of money that I want to give the church. Should I? (laughs) I know, look, you would think immediately, I would be like, yeah, you should. What's wrong with you? Like, but I don't say, yes, you should. You know what I say? Look, is that, you give your tithe. Your tithe belongs to the Lord. Listen to last week's message. We have a podcast, you know, so the tithe, but this is not the tithe. This is like, so I say, what is the Holy Spirit telling you to do? You would think that a pastor's like, yes, that would help the church so much. Well, sure, it'll help the church. Like, I mean, you know that with your own brain, like it'll help the church, but that's, I don't, the, the mission of the church is going to get accomplished with or without you. I really want you to be part of it. And so I tell people, what's the Holy Spirit telling you to do? If the Holy Spirit's telling you to do that, hey, please do that. Be obedient. Do that. But if the Holy Spirit's not telling you to do it, no thanks. Do it for something. Spend it on something else. It's fine. Um, What is he saying to you is the next thing. The next illogical, uncomfortable step. What is that? When it doesn't make sense. That's how you know. In, in Ephesians 3, he says, Now to him who is able, God is able to, do, who, able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Y'all, some of y'all had some really wild imaginations. He can do greater things than your wild imagination. I had, already, I had this plan last week because, you know, the mega millions was like, $1.3 billion, okay? And I had this in my mind, like, what if I got 700, because that's the take home, $700 million, what would I do? And so I was like, just being crazy, like all these, and I asked a bunch of people, like, what would you do with it? And then these holy people, like, I would die. Like, okay, whatever. Like, so, like, I, I have this wild imagination of what, here's something they don't tell you about the, the lottery. Like, you have to buy a ticket to win. Like, I, who knew? Like, so I didn't win, probably because I didn't, you have to buy tickets. So as wild as your imagination is, 
His is bigger, far, far, far beyond what you can dream or imagine. The future that He has planned for you is far better than the future that you have planned for you. And the way that you can know what that future is, He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. You don't need the whole plan. Stop asking for the whole plan. You're not going to get the whole plan. The whole plan would terrify you. you. All you need is the next little illogical, crazy, wild step. Do that step and then the next step will just all of a sudden appear. So will you say yes? Will you say yes? Will you say yes to the thing, the next thing that he's called you to? Because it may be terrifyingly scary for you to do that thing, but I can promise you this, it is worth it. You will look back and say, oh, I wish I had done that sooner. I wish I had listened. I wish I hadn't delayed my obedience. I wish, instead of just thinking about what's it gonna cost, I wish I had just said yes, yes, yes. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much that you are so good, that you continue to just lavish your love out on us as your kids, that you continue to call us out into deep waters, and you continue to just bless us far beyond what we could even dream. No matter what makes sense, you just keep blessing us. Though we don't deserve it and nothing we could ever do would cause us to deserve it, but you see fit. And so what we want to do is we want to lay down our lives for you. Whatever it is that you want us to do, we want to do that thing. We thank you, Lord. And we say yes to you. In Jesus' name, amen.